0: Morning, guys. How we doing? Awesome, awesome morning. And this is this is our. We had one baptism, the first Sunday or two we moved in here, and that was Kirk Reber baptized his daughter, right? And this is our first baptism service. And now we know we need like a bunch of runners up front because it's incredibly slippery. Um, so I will not be jumping off the stage. And This service. I was hoping to like walk around up here, but that's not going to happen today. Um, I'm just joking. But hey, what a great morning. Awesome. Baptisms, yeah. Excited about that. Um, if you're new here today, we're studying the book of James and we're working our way through the book of James. We have a couple more weeks left. We're going through verse by verse and talking about every book in the book of James, every verse in the book of James without skipping a verse. Um Last week we talked about judgment, like it's wrong to judge. And we talked also about good judgment and bad judgment. And really the good judgment is like accountability, like you notice something in your brother and you hold him accountable, or your sister, and accountability. But we finished last week talking about this verse. So I'll share with you the verse that we talked about last week in case you missed it. And I'll say something about it. James 4, 13-16 says this, Come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring what is your life for you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes instead you ought to say if if the lord wills we will live and do this and that as it is you boast in your arrogance and all such boasting is evil and so it's saying that invite God into your plans, right? Don't just make all these plans and think about it, it all depends on you. But I put the emphasis last week on this, and it was kind of funny because somebody said something to me, but we have to say Lord willing always because we don't know what tomorrow brings. And I put a lot of emphasis on, well, you could be dead tomorrow. <laughs> somebody came up to me and they said, I won't say who it is, but her name rhymes with Grancy Grice, all right? <laughs> I'm trying to just be discreet. She said, I love the message, but it got really morbid at the end. <laughs> You're just talking about dying a lot. And I'm like, listen, I know like that whole verse, you know, it talks about God has something for you. You could have a, a different plan in mind, so you got to keep God in the mix. But the funny thing is, if you guys remember, last week we had our candidate in that could be hired as our resident church planter, Charlie. And him and his wife, and I, I said this, I said, you could die on your way home. And him and his wife had like a 10-hour drive right after the service. (laughs) So I'm like, I'm sorry if that just scared you guys for your 10-hour drive back to New York. But, uh, you know, it does, it did have that connotation. But it is true. We don't know what tomorrow brings. And we plan out our whole lives. And we don't know what, and so we should always have this view in mind. Like the Bible says, we are a vapor and God ultimately has what's in store for us. But I say all that because this week isn't in regard to like the really just light and fluffy or the heavy and, oh my goodness. This week's probably more of the, oh my goodness, like last week was a little bit. Um, You know, Brian is preaching next week and he gets more of a light and fluffy message. I have to do the heavy message again this week. But I'm just reading this, this warning that James gives to the church, okay? And so it is heavy. It might be a downer, but I feel like it's a really good reality check he gives us. And in the book of James, this is one of James's most stern warnings to the church. It's really the, one of the most harshest warnings he gives to the church. Um, and so I'll read today's passage, and then I'll pray, and then we'll unpack it. So this is the passage. Come now, you rich. Weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded. And their corrosion will be evidence against you, and will eat your flesh like fire. See, like I said, very uplifting message for a nice Sunday morning. Nice Sunday message for you all. Eat your flesh like fire, for you have laid up treasures in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fatted, fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person who does not resist you. Let's pray. God, uh, we know we kind of joke and say this is heavy, but I believe there's a lot of truth here for our church, for our people, for myself. Um, so God, I pray that you um, unlock the truth to all of us, Lord, I know that me up here speaking is nothing without the filling of your Holy Spirit. It's your Holy Spirit's the one that, that brings the message to each one of us the way we need it and the time we need it. So I pray, God, invite your Holy Spirit here. God, we invite you here to just take over this message, God, and it's all about you. In Jesus' name, amen. So so first of all, this whole passage is a picture of the end times, okay? It's a picture of the final judgment. It's a picture of the return of Christ. But it's like, it's not talking about here. It's talking about people at the end sitting in front of the final judgment of God. So it's talking about a time in the future. Because right now on earth, there's a lot of rich folks and their riches in gold and silver aren't necessarily corroding yet. And he's saying, this is going to be talking about your life in, in light of the throne of God and looking back on your life to see what you did with your life. And God is, and James is giving this warning of end times or standing at the the end, after we pass away and our soul stands before the throne of God and what God says about us. And so verse 5, 1 says this, Come now, you rich. Weep and howl, for the miseries are coming upon you. Okay, now it says that, and he's talking, you know, to the rich, but he's talking, he's, and the weep and howl means like repent now, like repent because of the miseries that will come upon you when you stand before the, the judgment seat of God. Don't raise your hands for this question, but I want you to think about it in your mind. Who here considers themselves rich? Don't raise your hand, but yeah, <laughs> in love, yeah. But who here considers themselves rich? Like, who here in a conversation would say, I'm rich? I'm, I'm, I'm just talking like, not even like, uh, we're, we are rich because of the gospel, but financially, who here would consider themselves rich? If, if I had to guess, and I would say not many of you would say that. Most of you would say, I'm not rich, you know. And the fact that you don't think that you're rich is a sign that you're not content with the life God has given you. The sign that you, the fact that you don't think that you're rich, even financially, is a sign that maybe like discontentment, uh, pride have come in, and maybe maybe you don't feel like you're just wanting more, and that's that's a warning sign. And because my thought today to start this message is, 99.9% of us in here are rich. I'm talking financially. We're rich because we have the gospel. We are rich in love. But 99.9% of us are rich, and we don't realize it, or we don't give God the glory for that fact. Let me, let me explain. We have a very unhealthy definition as Americans of what rich is, right? We have a very unhealthy definition of what rich is. I mean, maybe, when, maybe some of you older folks will know this, but there's a show out called, like, The Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. And I used to love watching that when I was a little kid. Because you see these super mansions and these super yachts and these cars and boathouses, and we think, whoa, that, that's a rich person. But me, I'm not rich. I, I'm not rich. I hope to one day be rich, but I'm not rich. And so I believe we have a very unhealthy definition of rich. We think mansions, new cars, yachts, second home, vacation home, enough money where we can just spend all we want and never have to worry. But in reality, according to statistics in the world, if your household income is more than $32,000 a year, you're in the top 1% of the entire world as far as wealth. You're in the top sliver of all the, all the wealth, all the people in the world. If your household makes more than $32,000, so like you and your spouse both make about nineteen dollars a year, like you guys are in the top 1% of the entire world. So the world looks at you and like, wow, they are rich. Like they are rich. You guys, like we have to understand that this warning in James is for us. It's for all of us. Whether you make $35,000 a year, or you make $100,000 or $200,000 a year, this warning is for all of us. And we have to understand the fact that we are rich. We are the top 1%. Guys, we are so rich. Do you have a roof over your head? Do you have to worry about like having a roof over your head every night? If not, then you are rich. Do you have food available to you whenever, whenever you want? Like, you can go to the store and buy food, and, and you have the money to just buy dinner for yourselves or food for your family, then you are rich. You don't have to worry about food. Do you have clothes to keep you warm? You are rich. Food, shelter, clothing, water, like, those are the basic necessities of life that make one rich. And when God talks about rich, He's saying, You have enough to fill all these needs. When we think about rich, we think about all the extras, you know, all the extras, all the extras. You know, so you have all these things. And then I hear people say, I'm not rich. I'm struggling. And a lot of times I've been like, dude, you spend 200 a month on your dogs. You are rich. All right? Like, if you got that, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with spending money on your pooches, because I love dogs. But I'm saying, if you complain that you're not rich, you spend more money on your dogs than most people make in a month. You know, buying, going up to, like, Sam's Club and buying that, you know, 90-pound bag of dog food. And I'm just saying. No, the so like, no, nah, I don't buy it at Sam's Club. I go buy the expensive stuff. Um, but you, do you get what I'm saying here? Like, we have a very unhealthy definition of rich. We have enough money to pour into like just pets and hobbies and all these things, and yet we still feel like we don't we don't have enough. And the problem is, on top of all that, why I think God is maybe upset with us is we covet the super rich. We covet the super rich. Like, oh, I wish I had that. I wish I had that. So we're here sitting in the top 1% of the entire world as far as wealth, and we're just wishing we were wealthier. We're wishing we were wealthier. We're wishing we had more. We're wishing we had more. And God's like, that's not healthy. That's not good. And this warning's for us. This warning's for us. I've heard, believe it or not, and you may think I'm lying, I've heard millionaires complain about money. I've heard millionaires sit and gripe about money and say, oh, you know, you know, I don't have this, you know, I went on three vacations last year, I can only do one, you know, the stock's not doing so good. I'm like, what are you complaining about? You know, what are we complaining about? What are we sitting around here? You know, so we have to recognize we're in the top 1%. Um, you know, many countries, believe it or not, they have three generations per household because the income's a lot lower. Like, we visited Georgia, it was like that. There's three generations living in one household grandma lives there mom and dad live there and the kids live there all in one household three generations and i'm saying the kids live there until they have kids you know what i mean and here in america granny has her house the kids have their own house and each adult kid has their own house we got rooms to spare and like we each have our own place and that is a sign that in the whole world we are in the top one percent wealthiest If you have your own house you don't have to worry about transportation you have food and so we have all these blessings, and I think we, we don't have a healthy view of that. You know, you may say, well, I have, I live in a trailer, or I live in an apartment. It's like, so? You have a house, don't you? You're not sleeping on the streets. You're not out looking for a place to keep warm. Like, God's given you that, and like, let's thank him for it. Let's praise him for it every day. And I just, overall, as I'm studying this, and I lump myself in this and I lump, I lump all of us in this as America and as Jericho Road Church, I feel like at some extent God isn't happy with this attitude with us. He's looking out and seeing how wealthy we are and how we dream about more wealth and dream about more wealth. And at some point, does it make God unhappy? Does God say, wow, when's it going to be enough? Like, what is it going to be enough? When is it going to be enough that you're going to be like, yeah, I have enough, I, I'm good. And I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad because I think this verse is talking to like the the arrogant rich or the, the evil rich or people that are rich, like we're all rich, but there's people that honor God with their money and there's people that don't. But I wrote down here like a couple reasons why we don't feel rich and we are rich. So all of us here are rich financially, but listen to this. The first reason is we compare ourselves to others. We compare ourselves to others, and we don't feel rich, okay? So you look at the lifestyles of rich and famous, and you say, I don't have that. I'm not rich. Uh, Somebody else is. And the other reason is we have this problem in America. I don't know if you guys know about it. I don't mean to get super, like, economical or anything, but we have this problem in America called debt. We are the most in-debt people in America that's ever lived in America. Like, there's this wave called the debt crisis that's going to come, I believe, one day, and think about this, is because... The debt is so outrageously expensive. Young people, 25-year-olds, have $100,000 in student loans, like nothing. Like house debt, car debt, credit card debt, student loan debt. And we're like drowning in debt. So even though you might make $100,000 a year, you feel like you're poor because you barely have enough to make the payments that you have. Even if you make $40,000 a year, you are so much in debt because you bought a house that you can't afford to impress people you don't even like. Right? You bought a house you couldn't afford to impress people you don't even like. You racked up credit card bills and bought stuff you don't need to make impress people that you don't even like. And so we're sitting here, and like, you know, with all this debt, you bought a $200,000 house when you should have bought a $150,000 house. You bought a $150,000 house when you should have bought a $100,000 house. You bought a $30,000 car when you should have bought an $8,000 car. You know what I mean? But we feel this need to be like we got to outlive, and we're not living within our means, and so we're never happy because we always got bills coming in. First thing we do when we get a raise, what do we do? We go out, we buy something, get in debt, and that payment, we got a $400 a month raise, and now we have $450 in new bills because we just bought a new vehicle, Right? Don't we see this? And isn't it at some point kind of like insanity that we are just always, always, always in so much debt? So it's easy for us to read this passage and dismiss it, that this is about rich and this isn't about me, but it's about all of us. It's about all of us, and we have to realize we, most of us here, now I recognize some people here probably aren't, aren't in that category, most of us here make enough to be classified as rich, mostly all of us. So he says here, You wealthy, you rich, you have money for everything you need and you still want more. Because of that, we need to repent and ask God to forgive us of our discontentment. And like, and this is a real for us, like at some point today, we should just thank God or repent and say, God, I'm sorry that I've looked at my life and just said, and felt bad about myself because I don't make a lot and realize that you've given me so much more than I need and not a nickel more and I've been ungrateful. Like at some point, we feel like I've been ungrateful for what God has given us. And so he says, weep, howl, and mourn. Again, he's talking about the rich, but specifically rich people who haven't honored God with their wealth. So some of us here are considered rich, but we honor God with our wealth. We help out people. We help compassion. We took in the homeless. We help the widows. We've, we've tithed, you know, what God has asked us to tithe to the church. We've done all this. And I don't believe it's, t- it's pe- talking to people who have not honored God with their, with their wealth. They haven't. Jesus had some wealthy disciples. I don't know if you remember, he wasn't one of the 12 disciples, but he was one of Jesus' disciples named Joseph of Arimathea. And he was, the Bible says, a rich man. And when Jesus was crucified, he bought a tomb, and he paid for the spice and the preparation of Jesus' body, and he paid for the tomb. And so there was rich people that honored God with their money, but he's talking about rich people who don't honor God with their money. So I want us to say all that, preface, that this verse... This passage is about us. James chapter 5, verse 2 and 3, our next verse says this. So he says, Come now, you rich, weep howl, for miseries are coming upon you. In verse 2, it says, Your riches have rotted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver have corroded, and their corrosion will be evidence against you, and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up for treasures in the last days. Again, This is a picture of the judgment of God. So God looks back on your life, and he sees everything that you were passionate about. He sees everything that you dropped some money on and that you were so passionate about, and you look back on your life and see that the fancy clothes you bought are destroyed by moths. They're no longer even wearable. The excess food that you stored up has all rotted, and, and it's all not even eatable edible. The car that you loved so much is now rusted out. It's worth nothing. So he says, look at your life, and where your money went that wasn't towards God is pretty much going to be destroyed in the end times, right? Look at that house you loved. It's now, the end times have happened. It's all kind of kindling. It's all burnt up. The house, you know, this building one day, like everything that is materialistic and of this earth is going to be destroyed, It's all gonna be destroyed. I think about this sometimes. You ever drive by a junkyard? You know, at our old building we drove by a junkyard a lot because we were next to a junkyard. We just got that awesome view of the junkyard every morning. But I drive by the junkyard and I really, honest to God, try to think about this. I look out there and I see these rusted out cars that are just rotted out, rusted out to a core. And I think to myself, at one time, that was somebody's dream. At one time, I just think a dad was at the car lot, bought that thing brand new, and brought it home to his family. He's like, Look what I got. And he was so excited. And, he, and it's, now it's just rusted out, destroyed, unusable. It it's, can't even use it anymore. It's a piece of junk. And I'm saying, at one time, somebody spent $500 a month on that for four or five years. Isn't that crazy? I'm not against having vehicles, and I'm not judging anybody. If you, got, if you can afford a new vehicle you want to get a new vehicle, get a new vehicle. But I'm saying that know that that investment is just always going down. And eventually, at the end times, all the things that you loved that you bought that were of this world are, are going to be rotted out and unusable at some point. That's why I bought a rusted-out truck, all right? I was, when we were at the old building, I was afraid to park in the junkyard's parking lot because I was afraid they are going to take my car during service. I'm honestly like I honor God with my money. I feel like I do. But I feel like I drive a rust-out car just cuz I'm cheap mostly. You know what I mean? Like I'm just cheap and I you know, I feel like it's a bad investment regardless. But it's okay. If you have a new, nicer newer vehicle, that's okay, but it, just know that at the end it's going to be destroyed. Anything that you that you invest in that's not of God, it's not of Jesus, it's eventually going to be destroyed. Again, am I being too morbid Nancy? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I I feel yeah, I'm just joking. I feel like it's God's word. Okay, so you might be saying, Jim, are you saying that it's evil for me to go shopping? Like, I want this item. I want this, this item. Is, are you saying it's wrong for me to just go out and buy something? To buy uh, new jeans or a Gucci belt if you're into that sort of thing? Or guys be like, is it evil for me to buy a new truck? Like, I'm just trying to get what you're saying. Like, I drop money on this stuff. Is this wrong? Like, what are you saying? Now I'm saying this. Okay, hear me out on this. It is not a sin To buy yourself a little something, something, sometime, okay? It's not a sin, but I think that it's okay, and I have a few warnings when you drop coin on something that's not of God, and it's a few warnings, but it's something good to think about. It is always good to pause and struggle before you make a big purchase. It's always good to pause and be like, man, I'm about to buy this boat. Do I need it? Like, how is my debt going in my household? Am I tithing? Am I, am I honoring God? Am I taking care of people? Am I honoring God with my money? Like, it's good to run those things through a filter. And it is good to struggle before you make any extravagant purchase and say, that's, that's healthy and that's good. Do I need a $20,000 truck? Can I get by with a $15,000 truck? Like, it's good to ask those questions. And again, if you drive a new vehicle, I, I think there's nothing wrong with that. My dad buys a new vehicle every two years, and, you know, he can do that, whatever. He's debt-free and all that good stuff. But do I need a $300 Gucci belt? Do I need that? I know this isn't really the clientele that's into Gucci belts anyway, so I'm, I mean, I'm trying to think. Do I really need like an $18,000 side-by-side like Suzuki Razor in my barn? You know, all those things, it's good to wrestle with. But the second warning is this, in far as purchases. Do you hold back your tithe from God to pay for things that God would consider like luxury items? And I think about this and wrestle this in my own life and, and all of us should, um, do we hold back our tithe? If you say, like I've heard people say this many times, like I can't afford to tithe. I can't afford to tithe. And I'm like, okay, I've always taught here, we need to like tithe what we feel like the Lord's leading us to give. But I always said, you should always give something. Remember, I, I preached on that like a, a year ago or so. I said, if all that is is a dollar a week, give a dollar a week, but give something to the Lord's work. Give something to, to the church that's doing all that's doing good work in the community and doing good work for the gospel. But I hear people say, I can't tithe the full tithe or I can't tithe right now. And I gotta tell you, if I wasn't giving my full tithe, I would scrutinize every single penny my wife and I spend in our household. I'd be like, honey, CrossFit, <laughs> It's getting cut out. We're not spending $100 a month anymore to do that. I know it's good and you're healthy, but we're not doing it. Uh, okay, what else? Uh, you know what? You know We can't give our full tithe anymore. We're, we're not going to pay for private school anymore. They're, those kids are going to Mona Shores. They're not going to Mesquite and Christian anymore. Like, I would be scrutinizing everything. What are you doing with that six-pack of White Claw? We, we're not even tithing. How can we buy that? <laughs> you know, for some people, White Claw is a drink. I'm just messing. But think about it. Think about it. If you're not tithing, and you're buying like lotto tickets and booze and you're buying all these things. And I'm not saying like, I'm just saying if you're blowing money on things, I would be scrutinizing that. Like, honey, should we go on vacation? We haven't even gave to Lord's work this year. Like I would be running that through a filter absolutely before I spend extravagantly. I'd be, I'd be thinking about all these things and being like, am I really honoring God with my finances? I, I wouldn't eat out. I wouldn't do anything. I would just, if I couldn't tithe, I would be sure that I'm not stealing from God because the Bible says when we spend on other things and hold back our tithe, it says we're robbing from God. We're robbing what God's called us to do. So he says here, you laid up your treasures for the last day. And if you are a Bible scholar, you realize that Jesus gave this sermon on a mount and he kind of talked about this as well. But he says everything you put your money into that wasn't God, you know, whatever, um, it's like a picture of a courtroom. And it says God is going to use it as evidence against you. Evidence against you. So let's look at this. I feel like God's going to take things on the last day and he's just going to be like, look at all these things that weren't of you. He's like, look at this car you bought. You know, did you really need a car that nice? <laughs> look at it. I, you know, you told people, like, I can't afford to give to charity, and I can't afford to give to needy, but you spent, you know, $600 going to sporting events, buying, buying like, jerseys, and you spent all this money on all this stuff, and you, you didn't, so all these things, you know, these Gucci glasses, you know, brand new TV, all these things, it's like, at the end, it's all going to be brought out and laid before us in a courtroom, like, like and God's like, look at Look at what you spent your money on. The the lion's jerseys mothy, it's rotted, it's no good. The car is rusted out, the gold and silver is just it's all it's all done. And so he said, All these things that you spent on and you spent your life on are now are now worthless. And it says it's actually used against us. He's saying you put all your resources into that, but not like in James 127, it talks about true religion as helping the orphans and the widows. You didn't help the orphans and widows, but you sure had a lot of money to spend on lion's tickets. Do you get where I'm saying where God will say like, you know, are we really storing up for the future? So James, this verse is kind of a reference to the Sermon on the Mount with Jesus in Matthew 6, 19 through 21. And it says this. It's talking about laying up your treasures in heaven. Jesus looks at all the people and he says this. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Like that's like treasures on earth. You know, don't lay up for yourself just treasures on earth. Um, Don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where the thieves can break in and steal. But lay up, meaning save or store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So it's talking about where you put your money and where you ultimately, like, put towards is where your heart's going to be. You know what I mean? Like, if you put your things towards the things of God, your heart's going to be on the things of God. But if you're, you know, if you put all your resources in the bank and then just in the checking account, and it just sits there. Your heart's going to be there. You're going to be checking the stock market and all these things. But Jesus talks about store for yourself treasures in heaven. And there's this idea that when we get to heaven, God will Give us these treasures that we saved up for. He's going to give us these treasures. He's saying, "Don't just store up for here on earth, but store up for eternity." And so I have like a different example, and like so I have this, this stuff, and I want to put it up here. So let's say, uh, let's say here real quick. Oh my goodness, this is this is good stuff. Okay, I don't. This is very delicate uh, silver stuff. It's very treasures. You helped a widow financially whether you helped her meet some of her bills, you helped provide some food. And when we do that, it says that there's actually a place in heaven where it's the heavenly bank account, I don't know, but with your name on it, God puts a treasure up there in heaven. You following me? So you, you share your, uh, the gospel with a coworker, and God says, okay, <laughs> you helped the widow, you shared the gospel with a the coworker. Like there's some more treasure up there. That's waiting for you when you get to heaven, okay? Now, not only that, but you feel like, you know, you've supported every 12th. you supported work in the community, you supported God's work, and you know, there's more treasures. And then so, you know, all the things that we do here on earth, and I'm just using this as a visual for us, is going to be stored up for us in heaven. And whether tea sets are really your jam or not, I don't know what the treasures are going to be, but when we get to heaven, we're going to be blessed in a certain way because of all the good things we did here on earth. So God's like, it's not necessarily bad to go to a Lions game. It's not bad to buy yourself nice clothes. It's not bad to do these things, but just know this, all the earthly things that we save up for are going to be destroyed. And when we invest in eternity in any way, God is storing up for us treasures in heaven, and so there's a place in heaven with our name on it that God is storing up for all the good deeds that we did here on earth. Amen? Amen. And so he's saying, don't worry about that. Worry about this. And Jesus is saying, store up here first. Store up here first. And if you felt like you stored up good and you have extra, you know, Go on a vacation or something. Take your family to Disney. Do something. You know, God, God loves us. He, he wants us to be happy. But we got to worry about the kingdom. And where your resources are, there your heart will be also. There your heart will be also. So your heart will be on things of God. So the last portion right here is James 5, 4 through 6. Uh, worship team, you can make your way up. I got about a minute left. It says this, Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, so the people who served you and the people who work for you, you cheated. You cheated. You kept back their 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 wages and fraud, and they are crying out against you, and their cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. So God hears their cries. Every time you went out to eat and didn't leave a tip, that waitress's cries are reaching up to God because you didn't want to give her what she deserved and you held back because you wanted a little extra money. He's saying that's, that's reaching God. Good example for us because many of us don't have laborers and we don't have fields. But we do have people who wait on us and care for us and we, we take care of them. Do we rob and cheat people? Do you ever hold back money where people's due? Yes. Yeah. Shoot. You said what we were all thinking. Um, but you says this, You lived on earth in luxury and in self-indulgence, only thinking about your needs and feeding your flesh. And and it says you fattened your hearts for the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. So he's saying luxury and self-indulgence. You've satisfied your every desire. Anything you wanted, you got. And that isn't always good. Self-indulgence isn't good. Do you give your kids every single thing they want, people with young kids? Do you give your kids everything that they want? no. We go to the store and they want this, they want that, they want this. And I'm always saying no. You know what I mean? Like we don't give them everything they want because we aren't trained to just act on every impulse and desire. And, he's, and it's kind of asking here, do you ever cheat to, to save money? Do you ever cheat on your taxes to save money? Do you ever go to the secretary of state and lie about how much you paid for a vehicle just so you could save a little bit of money on taxes? Do you ever get so greedy that you cheat on, your, uh, cheat on stuff to save money? And say, wow, y'all are in the top 1% and you're still cheating? You're still lying and compromising your integrity to save a few bucks? I, had, I ran into this moral dilemma a number of times because I've always buy used vehicles. But when you buy a used vehicle, you go to the Secretary of State, and when you transfer the title, you have to say how much you paid for the vehicle. And it's the honor system, right? And when I buy the vehicle, you know, and you pay, let's say, $10,000 for it, people sell it, it's like, hey, just write in this little line here, like, gift. Say your granny gave that to you, you know, or, you know, write $100, because you'll save on taxes, and I always thought this in my mind, and maybe I did that when I was, like, maybe 16, 17, but the last couple times, I thought, is that worth trading my soul for, like, $100 to save, like, maybe 500 bucks? Like, what's worth my integrity, What's worth that lady at the Secretary of State seeing me up in church, knowing good well I lied about my vehicle's price to save a couple hundred bucks? Like, is that, is that really worth it? I think about these things. I think about these things. Lived in luxury. So the final question is, where are your treasures? Where are you investing in the kingdom? I know that if we have the gospel, and if you accepted Jesus Christ, like these people here that were baptized, like, we never have to worry about our treasures like eating our flesh like fire. That's for the wicked rich. But it's also a warning for us Christians. Where are we laying up our treasures? Are we honoring God? Are we honoring God? Are you living just this life here on earth that's all about that stuff? Or are you living for eternity ultimately? That's the question we all have to answer today. And he's saying if you feel like you've lived in self-indulgence and it's all about you, like repent of that and, and give the glory to God. Go through with your spouse or yourself or with an advisor and look at your budget and see where your treasures go because ultimately there your hearts go as well. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this message. Yeah, it's, I know it comes across hard, but it's something we all need to hear. God, help us realize that we are rich. We're searching and searching to be richer and richer but you've given us every single thing we need and not a penny more. You've given us food. You've given us shelter. You've given us clothes. You've, just, you've taken care of our every basic needs. And your word says, hey, I feed, I feed the birds and I'm going to feed you too. I clothe the lilies of the field. I'm going to clothe you too. So God, you've taken care of all of us in so many ways. Help us just be grateful and content with what you've done for us. God, if there's any way we've cheated anyone, Lord, help us seek reconciliation. But most of all, going forward, Lord, help us never to be dishonest and try to compromise our integrity to save a few bucks. Lord, help us always trust you. God, and most of all, Lord, help us save for eternity. Help us invest with good deeds, with helping the poor, the sick, the widows, the orphans, Help us, God, invest in eternity and not just for this life. Because last week we learned this life is just a vapor. So help us remember that. So God, we love you, we worship you, and we just uh, sing this last song and worship to you. In Jesus' name I pray.